I know bourgeois here is not a good word either, but, but <laughs> that's what uh, they, they build me. So, uh, it, you know, although everybody told me it's hopeless to, for me to try to, be, to write because of my outlook, you see, and uh, so they, they said I, I didn't have a proletarian uh, outlook. And, uh, but you know, I mean, you know, or maybe the other bourgeois couldn't do that. I could, <laughs> you know, this sort of, um, uh, let's say, useful brashness. So I was determined to write, and I went to Peking. And everybody said, oh, this uh, uh, young lady from Shanghai, and uh, she, you know, she after a few months, she would just drop out, you see. Life, uh, uh, life uh, was hard on, on her in Peking. Because I, I, I came from Shanghai, and Shanghai is uh, a very westernized and modern, modern uh, community in the former French concession. If some of you before we in Shanghai would know, you see. So, like my mother, anybody, any place out of that uh, small community was barbarian to her, you see. So, Peking was uh, just impossible. But I went to Peking, and uh, there, of course, if, you know, um, you know, it's, it, it's, um, I think only when I was young I could, you know, stand there. Because I was uh, viewed as something, you know, you know, j just something very different. And uh, uh, even if I didn't do something, they would say, they would imagine I did it. Like, you know, the, the Shanghai lady must have done that, you see. <laughs> so, um, then, you know, they wrote about uh, middle class and that I don't like, you see, because lazy and, uh, Lazy, not patriotic. Uh, uh, but they they wrote about us. We were not <coughs> sympathetic towards uh, um, the poor people. You know all the things. Uh, uh, it's something like uh, um, any bad things that uh, uh, you know they they <coughs> attributed to to middle class. Oh, look here, we are the sort of <laughs> Well, you see, I, I don't think, I, I didn't, at that time, I didn't think we were all that good. But I didn't believe we were all that bad. Because first of all, I, I was not a parasite. I worked very, very hard. And, uh, and uh, in, in school and in my work, I was very disciplined. Actually, they were not that disciplined because they were peasants, you see. Like, uh, uh, when I went to the office, it's 8 o'clock, it's 8 o'clock. But they, because the peasants, Chinese peasants, they didn't have a watch or clock, so they, they didn't have much sense of, of time, you see. So what I thought was, 
actually I was more advanced than they were. That's what I thought. Because if I were bourgeois, they were feudal. The feudal, you know, that's you know, that's in my mind, you see. And so I I wanted to write about middle class. And I wanted to be truthful to reality. We had lazy people or all kinds of people, but most of us uh, were good. And like any group, I mean, you know, peasants, most of them are good. Or working class, most of them are good, you see. And uh, uh, so then when the land reform came, I volunteered to go. And uh, so they said, oh, you know, because you want to save your face, if everybody volunteers, you don't volunteer, then you, you know, you feel um, embarrassed, ashamed. I said, not only I volunteer, I'm going <coughs> to the toughest area, because I had no idea what was the toughest <laughs> area. That's why I was very bold. <coughs> Okay, they said, ah, they laughed, they said, well, you know, when you, 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 you go there, then you, you, you'll cry and you'll come back and so on and so forth. So I went, well, you know, I, I really had no idea how backward it could be, all right, how backward. And my idea of countryside at that time was what I saw when my mother took me to visit her relatives, uh, the villas, the nice houses in the countryside, flowers and, uh, you know, not very modern, but uh, pleasant enough. But when I went to that place, well, it was another world. It was just, I couldn't imagine. Um, well, there, you know, it, actually, I didn't mean to make a show of, uh, uh, you know, how uh, how brave I was. But you see, what I wanted, because you see, the the Protestant uh, work ethic and the Confucian work ethic wouldn't allow me to say, oh, I quit. <laughs> or, you know, it's like a soldier in a battlefield. I didn't want to be a deserter. So, I just, uh, you know, and since I was there, I wanted to do my best. And uh, so actually, I found out I was working much harder than the peasant cadres. I'm not uh, uh, putting them down for various reasons because one, I had the training, okay? I had the, the discipline, which uh, you, you see, like I, in the beginning, I said my, uh, the church, uh, um, the, my school, uh, it's church, it's uh, originally church of England, so, that very strict with us. That very very strict with us. So um, um, 
so I, uh, you know, I, and also, I, another thing I wish that they would know was uh, it's not only uh, the communist model to serve the people, but the, our school model was to serve too, to serve the poor people. And uh, so it, it doesn't, uh, it didn't, uh, I didn't need to know what was Marxism, which I still don't know. And, but that's enough, you see. I, I learned from my school and I learned from my teachers that I should serve the poor. And, uh, and uh, so I, I, I told them that. At first they said, oh, are you a communist? I said, no, I'm not a communist. I came here because I believed in the teachings of the Bible. So they were all laughing, you know, <laughs> because they had no idea, you know, what uh, uh, Christianity was. So after I got, you know, praise and uh, so on and so forth, when I went back, I wrote a short story about my, about me and the old widow in the Dragon's Village, Tanya. But nobody wanted it. One, because uh, they could not publish a, a story that the main character was a bourgeois and she worked very hard because that's not their uh, uh, conception. So secondly, how could a bourgeois uh, young lady from Shanghai um, could be so sympathetic to the poor people there? Because we were supposed to be exploiting the poor people to suck their blood. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's why it, we need a lot of communication, you know, so we will understand each other better. So they, they gave horrible stories <coughs> about uh, what is a, a bourgeois person, and including very famous writers, all right? They, um, they always uh, um, caricature us. Uh, it's okay. I mean, you know, you can write this way and that way, but if uniformly against uh, so many people and uh, uh, saying they are all of no good, I think that's a very big problem. Okay, they didn't publish my story. I kept on writing and uh, no chance. Uh, but you know, I think I'm stubborn. So uh, when uh, we had the opportunity, when my husband Jack was invited here to lecture on many, many campuses, and then uh, my son and I, we came. You see, at that time, it's different from now. That time, I wrote in Chinese. The mainland publishers, of course, they didn't want me, nor did the Taiwan. Because I couldn't say everything was bad in the land reform. It was not. Because for the 
there were a lot of uh, shortcomings and mistakes made because you see I was uh, um, I didn't know anything but I was one of the very important <laughs> cadres in that village all right so of course mistakes uh, were made but I couldn't say that uh, such a big movement for the poor people to get their land was all there. I read stories uh, when I came to Hong Kong. I read the Chinese press. And uh, there are two ways of writing about peasants. One way was, you know, the, the, the landlords were victims, all peasants way is the mainland way that is the peasants were beautiful because they were poor and the land owners were all bad. But that's not so. That's not what I saw. Me? You see, I, that, what I saw uh, was they were all human beings. Some really, uh, very few, you know. Um, I, I, we only saw one land owner. He was bad. And uh, uh, the others, uh, they were born into landowners' families. And it's a, a, it's a history, right? Uh, what can you do? I mean, you know, I mean, they, they were not uh, particularly worse than the others, and um, so on and so forth. So, um, so then I decided to write in English. I, le I started learning English in, in, in the kindergarten. Because at, at that time in Shanghai, the middle class families, they, they liked their children to learn English very early. And of course, my husband, he is an overseas Chinese. That means uh, he, he was born and educated in England. And, uh, um, his first language was his English. So he helped, helped me a lot. And the book came out very well received here in this country. Very, very well received indeed. Um, and then a few years, uh, two or three years ago, it got published in Shanghai in Chinese language. And uh, the Chinese readers, they wrote me very, very enthusiastic letters. They said before, we only knew the land reform that, uh, this way, very orderly. And uh, the party members, the activists, they, they were also devoted. And the peasants were also enthusiastic. And the landowners, you know, I mean, you know, but, uh, but now we read your, after we read your book, uh, we know that it's not necessary that way. And it's, um, um, and also they say, we are glad, you know, you, you gave us a write up. The middle class um, educated people, we call them, in 
China. Uh, we are not that lazy and we are not, not that uh, lousy. And, uh, <laughs> so, um, and, uh, but you see, because the time is up, so I, 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 I cannot tell you in detail that the struggle for a Chinese to write in English. Um, but generally, it's very, very difficult because uh, I compose in Chinese, so my English is sort of teenage. <laughs> and, uh, and I couldn't find a publisher. And uh, so I had to force myself to think it's it takes you know it takes time and um, and uh, here over there they would tell me because you are bourgeois so the story is no good you know here when they reject your manuscript it's another they don't say anything they just say you know sorry uh, it's not in our plan uh, well, let me tell you a very interesting story about this, uh, how I got rejected first. I sent it to Random House first, because that's a big name, okay? So, and the Random House, at that time, there was a, an editor. She liked my story very, very much. And she called me long distance. At that time, Jack and I were teaching at Cornell. Um, so after, after a while, she called me again. She said that she couldn't push this thing through because the sales department put uh, my um, manuscript in a computer and it came out saying, no market. <laughs> it's true, I mean, she told me, because uh, she, they, she told me, she said, if you write reportage or you write academic or semi-academic books, then there are markets for, you know, there is a market for, for such books, but yours, no. Um, so I got turned down by a computer. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's painful too, because I didn't know um, what's the matter. I mean, you know, nobody told me what was wrong with the, with the manuscript. So, but anyway, we tried and tried. Finally, it, it, it still got, then, okay. Uh, my, uh, our friend, Jack's friend, Harrison Salisbury, he was the former New Yorker uh, uh, vice deputy editor-in-chief, New York Times. So I, I sent my manuscript to him, and he liked it very much. So he, <laughs> he, he he sent, sent it to Random House. <laughs> and this time, they accepted because of his uh, recommendation in the same manuscript. So, and then, <laughs> then, when it, um, then not only they um, 
been asked to say something about uh, my life as a writer and also how I got to write it. was very different to what you just heard from my wife. We come from, both of us are middle class, that's true, but she was born in China and I was born actually in the West Indies and then at the age of four I went to England and um, I got my main education at um, London University College School. That was the, one of the first of the big public schools of the British universe. Um, when I began writing very early indeed. I got my first job as a journalist at the age of 16. And then I went back to China. I always make that mistake because I've never been to China, so I couldn't go back to it. But um, that's a common mistake that a lot of Chinese make. Um, and if people ask them, Was there, where is your native village? <coughs> you might be born in Timbuktu, but you won't say that. You'll say Chungshanxian in Congo. Uh, those ties are very, very strong. So when I went, when I got back to China, um, I let you in on a bit of my background. My, my father was at that time the foreign minister of China, so he's quite high up. And um, the, uh, the Chinese leader that he worked with was Sun Yat-sen. He was his foreign policy advisor. But Sun Yat-sen is something like me father of the Chinese Revolution. So let's say it wasn't, he wasn't difficult for me to get a job because he owned the newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> I also I had another job there and that was to become cartoonist of that newspaper. Um, it was rather interesting because they had never, up to that moment, there had never been an editorial cartoonist in China in 5,000 years back. <laughs> so let's say I was a little privileged. My first job, I went straight into the work of um, writing for the paper. The first job I got was, and um, this was rather interesting because I'd just come from England and I was so British that I used to say we if I meant Britain. Mm -hmm. uh, and if we were talking at home about Chinese, I would say they. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember being very disgusted because they wouldn't sign the peace treaty. <laughs> but when I got to China, I soon learned different. The Britain that I knew in Britain was very different to the British that I knew in China. So I said my first job was to go up, um, I was living then in Wuhan, in the middle of the Yangtze River. And my first job was to walk down the bun, that's the riverfront, every morning, and count the number of ships, battleships, in harbor, including the British. 
and everybody who had a battleship or anything that looked like a battleship sent one to China in those days to practice the Chinese. Now, with that, with that type of background, as you can see, a little bit confused, I was. I remember going to Shanghai, and uh, yes, there was a little park there on the bun, and they, and there was a sign on the on the gate, and it said, "Chinese and dogs not allowed." And I wasn't quite certain which category I belonged to, <laughs> but I went in anyway because I had a British upbringing. Uh, my life has been very much one of ups and downs, and I soon realized from that first job how important it was to get into the art because there was so much misinformation about China in those days. I worked with Madame Sanya Sen as the <coughs> widows of uh, Sanya Sen, and she is a very, very proper lady and a really wonderful patron. And believe it or not, when I got to Shanghai at that time, it was before I went, I went down to count battleships on the Yangtze, um, there actually was a, a story in the local British newspaper saying that Sun Jing Lei, that's the maiden name, was working for what she called the liberation of Chinese women. And one of the things that she was doing was to lead nudist parades in, in Wuhan. I know it sounds incredible, <laughs> but if you uh, go to the university here, I'd say you go, I mean, you go and look at the newspapers of those days, and you will see that what I've just told you is absolutely correct. Now, from there, I, I as I said, not only writing, but also drawing uh, cartoons about the imperialists and so on, and those <coughs> that they were exploiting and oppressing China. Um, I was very dogmatic in those days. But a, a lot of, as I said, a lot of law that I wrote and really was quite true. And I've always, as a cartoonist, I've always tried to fuse with that line, tell the truth about what's going on, and also as a writer. I may not be myself all that correct either, but let's say my mistakes, I would say my mistakes, I mean, that I didn't know. But I really very soon learned that the power of the press and of writers is because they carried out the truth, and they must be as you see from a very different point, point of view, my wife came to the same conclusion. That is the strength of writing. To ferret out the truth and to broadcast um, Well, sometimes it gets in a bit of hot water. I remember not so long ago, there was a day when I uh, woke up and I had just received the, one of the foreign, foreign office guys in Canada, in Toronto. 
what happened of that chapter. Um, and I think, um, again, what my wife said is important. I think that my writing, you know, you've read that book. Um, I think that my writing has helped a great deal because, yes, I speak English well, and I sort of grow up in an English way, that is part of an American way, if I may say so. And that's why I think that the books that we're writing sort of get over, they communicate. And people feel that, yeah, well, seems what they're saying is, is true. And we do try to cue to that running. I, I, very strangely, but this thing, this sometimes happened to me. I wrote my speech at a great length, very interesting. But I, but I always seem to, to digress without the whole when I really get going. But um, that's your, that's your chance. When I finish speaking, then um, apparently it can be your part. And you should ask us anything that you think might be used to. Oh, now I, my, my eyes have come across two of the main points that I was trying to bring over and what is that a journalist or a writer should try to tell the truth. And I uh, said so that's It's rather an interesting 